everybody. This is Innovation Crush. I am your host, Chris Denson. In case you're tuning in for the first time ever, this show covers all things innovation, creativity, marketing, ideas, smart people doing smart stuff. Um, and today, the buck does not stop. We have a very special guest. But first, I would like to introduce my guest co-host. Say hello, Clark. I'm not going to I'm not gonna even try to say your last name, but you can say it. I'll say my last name. It's Clark Vautier. Like, Vautier. Yes, it's yes. French. Oh, Sounds like a sounds like a lot of money attached to that name. I wish, I wish. <laughs> um, so, g- give us a little bit of a you know the background on Clark Votier. Let's g- give us your CV. I'll give I'll give you my CV, my my Clark Votier CV. Well, I'm I grew up in New Zealand and I've uh, been in LA for a couple of decades now. I'm a business consultant. I do consulting, coaching, and team building. And um, yeah, that's uh, that's my gig. Nice. Um, what's the, yeah, because you make you make. A, Pyramids for kind of for a living. These, these, uh, what, what, what is the most important element of team building? Team building. Identified it. Team building, the most important element. It's, um, it's, there's an experiential component to team building, uh, that I, that I think so important in terms of helping to really ground, um, ground lessons, ground, um, principles that I'm trying to convey. So bringing in the experience, experiential components. So, so excited to meet your guest today. Um, really getting into the experiential components. So I want to, looking forward to exploring that with you. Ooh. Are you nervous yet? No, I'm good. You're going to get grilled <laughs> by the team building guy. Um, so Craig Thornton, say hello. Hello. AKA Wolves Mouth. Um, uh, give us the 90 second version on who Craig Thornton is and Wolf's mouth and, you know, all, all the juicy bits. And then we'll get into some, uh, some dialoguing. Um, so essentially I started a thing called Wolf's mouth probably about 10 years ago. I've been cooking for about 15 years and from the very beginning of cooking, I was always interested in, uh, art in all five senses. And so I was doing art before I basically quit so I could focus on cooking. And then it was about 10 years before I added in this art element uh, where I build these art installations that I also, so I'm building the art and then I'm also building out the menus and the food that goes with it to all kind of be one cohesive thought because I was very interested in all five senses. And so with Wool's Mouth, I've also kind of built it out into different tiered experiences that I focus on, whether it be um, the normal dinners that we do to, we have a a thing called shark's teeth now that we do uh, seafood only dinners to the art installations to then say like working with a brand to do, you know, a a branded experience event. Wow. That's a lot. That's a mouthful. (laughs) See see what it did. (laughs) So, no, a lot of good puns uh, on that. <laughs> I, I can't help myself. Um, when, like, from the, I, I get the session with the senses. I'm curious about this intersection of food as art, right? Just, just in general. Like, let's take the the hard art out of it. Yeah. But like cuisine, I sit down to have a meal that is prepared by you. You know, and let's talk about that ten year window when there was no art piece to it. How, you know, what's the artistic side of culinary craft? For me, I mean, it's, it's more of what I'm, I've, I've been kind of defining over the last few years. And it's not only the way that something 
looks because I think that's a very easy go-to. I think that it is uh, actually pushing a thought through the through through taste in the end. So you can ha- say you start out with the visual of something. So say say I have a cue in the room that is you know a sculptural element or something, and that piece I'll make a dish where the taste of the dish is finishing the thought from that sculpture that is, you know, on the other side of the room or uh, whatever else, what, whatever other right. art piece it happens to be. And so it's more of adding the, just finishing thoughts that are not only visual thoughts. Cause I think with a lot of art, it is not all senses, you know, may, maybe there's an audio component. Maybe right. there's a visual component there's rarely a touch component. I mean, if you go to any art gallery museum, you'll, you know, be swatted away the second you get too close to something. Yes. Um, and so for me, I was thinking just about more of a, the only way that I could describe it is how I see it in my head, which is like spherical. Like I see it as like a sphere and then I know when things click into place that it's coming together how I want it, which is how when I'm thinking about dishes, I build them the same way. I'm, you know, it's like I'll taste a taste something, and I know, like I just know it because it yeah. just clicks into place. Well, give, give, so, give us an example, right? Like maybe the statue example was a real one, but yeah. it's like, hey, I, you know, especially I like, I love this concept of finishing the thought, right? Is because I think of everything as storytelling, right? And everything's an extension of a story. We talked about yeah. this yesterday, you and I, Clark, but. Um, like, well, so yeah, walk us, walk us through. Like, I think one of the easiest things will be to show you, even though they can't really see out there <laughs> to show you. So that's the current installation. Ooh, you guys are missing out on this. Um, so I go through, you know, sculpt it, build it, light it, build the installation. And then, so you've from created there, this physical environment inside yeah, of a room. Yeah. Right. And there's, is, I mean, there's very like nicely blue lit ambient, you know, look yeah, and, and a lot of whites and, and. I mean, how would you even describe the, that color texture? Well, it's it's almost like the, these uh, cool pastels, but they're, you know, but it's it's almost James Terrell-like as far as lighting, I guess you could say, with, you know, very uh, intense lighting. Um, okay, so this piece, for instance, this is another piece in there. It's called Truncated Divinity. So that so piece... So it's not a vagina? <laughs> it is not a vagina. Okay, cool. I just wanted <laughs> uh, to make sure. So, I think everything's a vagina, by the way. So, <laughs> so that piece... Uh, it's basically the, the this religious piece, and so the the food element. When when I built it out, I built the piece first, and then it was going through and thinking about what the dish was going to be. So because it's this religious piece, then I started back with okay, lamb, red wine, bread. Just growing up in you know in a religious household and. Uh, Sacrificial lamb, blood of Christ, body of Christ. So then from there, it was expanding out, you know, and going, okay, well, I don't want it just to be something that simple. So then this is the dish that pairs with that. And it's almost like this this abstract looking, sac- like bloody sacred heart that's gilded with silver. Wow. And that is, you know, lamb... Uh, it's a, it's like a lamb ragu, lamb carpaccio. Then it's like this the lamb this uh, lamb raviolo that uh, is just soaked in beet, and it's mascarpone and potato and 
grape, uh, and some fava beans, and then it's gilded with the silver at the end, and then a little pistachio mint pesto. I mean, it's it's so, a lot of ingredients all going on, but yeah, yeah. but but the idea is, you know, when when they get to that point in the meal when that dish is coming out, that piece that I was showing you, the truncated divinity piece, I have all these lights that start. Uh, snaking across it and it's playing with the the refraction of the light that is going around the room um and you know so so it's almost like this in in a way it's like this thing like opening up and like uh like this this portal opening in a way sure that ties into the whole idea of what the piece means and then with so let, let's stick with the 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 lamb example for a second yeah um the maybe this is not the final straw but the at least you know the <laughs> When it comes to food, when people eat it, like what what is what is the thought that you're finishing at that? Like you know, you mentioned all the ingredients that go into it. There's a flavor. There's sensations. There's things going on. There's synapses firing. Yeah. Like what is the completion of that divinity thought? Well, and so for me, it was it's this particular dish. It's uh, just more of the the over the top uh, idea of how well and. It, it started out more as just kind of uh, this. I mean, I'm trying to think of a good way to explain it that simplifies it the most. Um, I mean, essentially, when I'm going through and building the piece, I was thinking about okay, well, you know, you have this uh, this flesh, you know, because I mean, which is why there's the, the carpaccio over it this like fleshy substance. And so, so when you sit down, it's looking at just the, the things that we will overlook that look almost really dark right, or potentially disgusting uh, in the name of religion. But if you did the same exact thing in a different context, it's totally unacceptable. And so it's this thing that because it's, you know, going towards this religious ideal, it's, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Right. But in another context, it would be absolutely disgusting looking. It would look, you know, like this, this, you know, bloody gross mess or something like that. Craig, do you, do you um, facilitate the conversation as you're presenting? Um, I have a little booklet that I place on the table and I don't try to facilitate any conversation. I try to let them do it amongst themselves. I'm only there as my work and an ideal scenario would be I am creating social lubricant, you know, and if you're not interested in the art aspect and you are, then it either way, it doesn't bother me. Some people are there just to have a good meal. Some people are there for the entire experience. Some people are there for the art. It's just something that you've, you know, you, you figure out over time. Um, certain so people. So you don't, you don't give any cues. No cues whatsoever, because I feel like if I have to give cues, then I'm not doing my job good enough. You know, I've, I think it should feel pretty effortless. And, and I think that if I do give too many cues, it almost is you're forcing, uh, you're forcing things to happen. And I think that you only force things to happen when you're talking to kids. And so, which some adults are kids, and I'm not interested in talking to those adults anyway. So, uh, uh, you, you, there's a thread, right, where a lot of your work is very stark. 
right? It's like, it's uncomfortable to look at in some ways. And then you yeah. think about eating, you're like, well, I don't know if I want, like, I don't know if I'm in the mood after literally looking into a wolf's mouth, you know, in an older iteration of your website, I remember seeing. Um, it, I, and I, I get the feeling that's by design. Right. And uh, there was a really good article in the New Yorker about you and it talked about beauty and violence. Which yeah. Was- well, it's with a lot of my work, I end up being drawn to these just two juxtapositions of, you know, beauty and grotesque aggression and femininity, you know, all these things. Cause I've visually, I'm, I'm just drawn to those contrasts. I mean, I also think that I very much grew up in those type of contrasts. So I think I'm just probably pushing it through there. Um, but, uh, I just really, I like to try to have, you know, just, you're trying to build subtlety into things, but the subtlety is in a really intense environment, you know? And so you see, you know, something that may be a little more extreme, but then once you get in, you realize there's all these subtle details. Right. And I try to do the same thing with my dishes. I mean, at the end of the day, I only care about my dishes being, you know, they have to taste right. The temperature has to be right. The texture has to be right. First and foremost, being a chef, that's the number one goal. And then from there is where I start, you know, going past uh, just the idea of, okay, well, I'm just making a dish, you know, that someone's going to eat. Um, so I think that there is a distinction of when, you know, food, you can take it past that point of craft, but everything starts with craft. Doesn't matter if you're painting, you're playing guitar yeah. or whatever, you have to build the foundation. You have to understand the craft of exactly what you're doing. And once you get to there, then I think that you can elevate it in a different way through different contextual ideas. No, you d- we were joking earlier about you paying attention to details, right? And like, you know, it's like, oh, your thing's almost unplugged. And I was like, I sit at this table all day and I was like, I didn't even notice it. Um, and, you know, I, I saw a documentary on sort of like Mocha and how they're being inclusive of a lot of, you know, artisans or artists like yourself. Um, and the level of detail you were taking into like building the structure that people were going to walk through. Right. From the yeah. textures to um, to the lighting and all that stuff. Like, you know, especially from your perspective, um, Clark, how, how does the team play a role in making your vision come to life? Because you've got a, you've got multiple layers of trans uh, of, of um, translation. Right. You got to translate the food into an experience, into a vision, into something that other people can understand as they're building it. As, yeah. And also people that are just coming to experience it. Yeah. Well, and so we have a really small team. It's, I mean, I, I am, I mean, it's, it's all my cooks. And so everything that we do is all done in house. I mean, we're, we're doing our own taxidermy now, you know? So, you know, it's, is that legal? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, you, well, you know, By the way, you're the first person to ever say that <laughs> sentence on this show. Well, you know, I mean, for, for me, it, it's, it's just been about how, how do you, the goal is with me, how do you level up everybody around you and I level up at the same time? It's, you know, without them almost knowing that they're leveling up, you know? And so what it is to me, it's all about the team. I mean, that's really the the, the whole thing that helps keep the ship moving because uh, going through, you know, when when I start, you know, when, when I walk in with, well, we... we take 2000 pounds of sculptural foam across a 
you know, we're, we're literally lifting it that, that I had to go carve, build out. You know, we spent almost three months uh, putting about 60,000 beetle wings onto this, you know, uh, sculpture, um, you know, one at a time right. just with pins. When, when you're going through and trying to explain what it is, it's very, abs- you know, when, when you say it, it's abstract. So I'm just start doing it. And then, uh, you know, and, and then as we do it, it's, then we're adding in, okay, like, uh, one of my guys, Sam, he helped a ton on, you know, it's like, we're sitting here doing all these wings and, you know, and we're building out this thing and, um, <clears throat> just going through and being able you have, you, what you have to do is you have to identify everybody's strength and weakness, every single person. And then you go through and then you start building out how you're going to push out each idea through each per okay, you know, you are very good at at organizing. You are very good at, you know, taking the abstract rambling that I'm saying and you can understand it in a way that it doesn't seem abstract and rambling to you. You know, it's figuring out everybody's language. And then changing your language based upon whoever you're talking to and understanding what their personality is, what is going to sink their ship. And then you put them right up to the edge of where they're almost going to sink. And when they don't sink, they've just leveled up again. You know, it's like you, right. you, you, you keep raising their water level without them realizing it. And they just keep raising up and raising up. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of, say, what I'm doing right now, this four and a half month long uh, installation. And... All of the stuff that we thought, you know, we, we were going to need a team of 12 people to do, we've done with seven. Wow. You know, and. Is it I, stressful? Is that like, is that. It's, it's always stressful. But yeah. I think that if you don't, if, if you don't have stress, then you're being complacent and you're, you're not going to really be able to push. I mean, you'll, you, you'll be able to stay afloat, but you will never be able to uh, just push forward because I believe in a constant evolution. I don't believe in changing. I don't, I don't think that you change on a dime. I think that when you evolve, it becomes more about how do you maintain something? Cause I think that we have a culture right now that is not about maintaining. It's about what's the new cool, crazy thing I can build. Right. And then try to, it's, it's hot potato. That's people are playing hot potato right Which now. Was your and I think that's a very amateur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, to, to me, I think that it's like a very amateur way of, of doing things because I think that when being able to maintain something is far harder to do, you know, and it's following through on a vision of exactly what you want to build, actually going out and doing it and not just figuring out, okay, well, how do I get this to a point where I could just hand it off to the next guy, get my cash, go on to the next idea and the next idea. And then you just hope that something maybe hits and whatever else happens. But what have you really contributed? Sure. Really? I've so for, for me, it's, because I think that it takes more skill and it's harder to maintain things, I'm more interested in maintaining. Yeah. Rather than, you know, squeezing out new ideas all the time of, uh, you know, I mean, I'll, we'll, we'll have, say, like, ho- you know, big hotels have, have, have come to me, you know, and said, hey, you know, we, we want to build this whole entire thing. But then I would have to kill all of my other stuff to be able to do it. Right. And so... You know, then then you're talking about a, a potential level of something not being done at the highest level that I think it should be done at because there's always everything is only bottom line. 
bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. And that's, I think, why people cannot evolve in an innovative way. It's because they only think about bottom line only. And sometimes you have to lose money. And sometimes you'll make money. And, so, you know, that's the only way to grow. It's you. I mean, I have zero investors for Rollsmouth. I've never had a single dime come from any source. Let's change that. Unless that's not <laughs> Um, hold on, you, uh, you yeah, just Clark had a, a, a thought because I, yeah. I knew I knew when the team thing came up, you were like, ah, they, uh, well, it's Craig. It's great, great hearing you talk about your team and 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 really you're talking about playing into their strengths, right? And interesting, just tying it back to the you know the wolf's mouth uh, name. I've actually been doing some team building work with a colleague lately, and we use the wolf pack as a metaphor for healthy teams. Yeah. And we actually bring in live wolves, which kind of freaks people out. Um, it's not to teach them what real fear is, by the way. But um, <laughs> what wolves... Run! You, the, the wolf Liability pack, insurance through the roof. Exactly. What, what you touched on, what I was hearing with the wolf pack you know, metaphor is that um, it playing into each other's strengths. Everyone has a very defined role. They, they, you, you, it sounds like you have a common vision. There's also healthy competition and accountability. So to keep you, you talk about pushing people to their edge within their defined role, and and yet all growing in service of better results. I think that's yeah. fantastic. It's a great metaphor. Well, it's you know because I I think with that, you know I I think you know it's people just really want to be you know and. I think that any business, if you were able to sit down and actually just say, what are you interested in? And then me, I will find out from, you know, my guys, okay, what is your interest? You keep that in the back of your mind. And then when you start thinking of future ideas, when, when I'm thinking about, you know, okay, this person is interested in music. Okay. You know what? I got to figure out how to get some sort of music element into this to where I can hand it off to this guy. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts taking ownership of everything. And once they feel that they have as much ownership over everything, they are willing to do the same things that I'm willing to do to get the vision executed. And that, for me, is the only reason that Wolfsmouth has been successful is because everybody on my team will push as hard as I will. You know, we'll go two or three days without sleeping. We'll do all these things to be able to execute our vision of exactly what it is. I love that. As, as I was looking at your work online, just reading up a bit, little bit about it, um, just struck by the beauty and it's, it's, it's stunning and, and every, everybody needs to look at that. One of the things, the, the interesting reaction I had though, and to your point earlier about, you know, when you go into an art gallery, you can't touch. So you're, you're breaking that wall if you like. But there's, it's funny. There's a there's an upsetting thing that happens because your diners are destroying the artwork in a sense, yeah. moving into the next plane, which is taste and feel, right? But there's that there's a destructive element, and and obviously in the theme of innovation, one of the definitions I like uh, for innovation is creative destruction. So that sort of came up for me. There's a temporality about your work, so it's very much you have to be in sort of a flow state. You have to be very present, which this this moment will never be again. Yeah, it's it's all very in the moment, you know. And so I live between two worlds. I live in a static world of things that I build, you know, like the the installations are static, you know. It's I build them, and once they're done, I mean, you know, there's certain elements that are uh, moving, and but once those are built, it's 
But with cooking every single day, you're starting over and, you know, and you have to be in the moment. And so because everybody is present, there is no time to sit there and become complacent and worry about what the next guy is doing and what this guy's not doing. And, you know, everybody is accountable to themselves in a way, you know, I've, I treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. I don't want a boss. So I am not really the boss of anybody. I've, I have a, a way of saying, okay, well, this is what we need to get done. And you need to do this. Here's the idea. This is how you're going to execute it. I'm going to show you if you have any questions, ask, 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 ask. I don't care. I'll show you 50 times if you need me to show you 50 times. Um, Because with cooking, it's, you know, you're creating a consistent product every single day. Consistency every single day. I'm not making a machine that is making a consistent product. I'm using humans to create a, a consistent product, which is a lot harder than a machine. And so... With that, I will say, hey, you guys can come in whenever you want. Whatever your schedule is, you figure it out. If you need to come in, you know, because you can't sleep at three in the morning, you come in at three in the morning and you do that. Whatever it is, you just need to make sure your stuff is done. If it's not done, then we have an issue. And so, you know, the the business essentially uh, absorbs and flexes as it needs to based upon the needs of what the staff is doing. So if, you know, I mean, even down to if, if somebody really wants to go to a concert, then we'll just say, okay, we're going to be down one person tonight and everybody bands together and we have to work that much stronger, you know, and then somebody else might have something go on, you know, because you're treating people like people, which is, it's the most basic thing ever. It's an incredibly yeah. basic thing, but that, it is also, we're getting further and further well, away from that. I think that. it also goes into that idea you were talking about earlier <laughs> is like people who are creating businesses almost as machines, right? And like the the natural tendency is to think that these 10, 15, 100 people are focused on my business all day long and 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 they have just as much passion. And you forget like, the dynamic nature of humans. Right? Yeah. Like they get sick, they got interest, they want to go. Like somebody just asked me if they go on vacation for two weeks. I was like, two weeks? And I was like, oh, that, that's <laughs> it's set up to do two weeks. But I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, oh no, what am I going to do for, for that amount of yeah. time? Um, you know, it, it's good to have that selfless leadership or at least the like the well, spherical view. And then on, also in turn, by doing that, then they become selfless to you when you need, you know, that big whatever push that you need. Right. And so it's this push-pull. And I think that a lot of businesses, what they do is they just push and then that's it. And then it's, okay, well, you know, we'll we'll just fill your space with somebody else. And then the next person comes in and then you push them. I mean, especially in the food business, right. you know, it's just a constant turnover. And we don't really have a turnover I mean, you have an apple turnover. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't help myself. I told you. No, I. I, I love that, and I want to think. I want to touch on this idea that you know, at some point, you know, success. Uh, 
Akon said this on the radio this morning. Somebody interviewed him and they were like, are you a business person or are you an artist? He was like, I think in order to be a successful artist, you have to be a great business person. What was your first, you know, kind of foray into like really putting a business hat on? And because, you know, I think at one point you just like you're doing it for the sake of doing it. You people are calling you, you're winning competitions, you're on television, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're like, all right, if I want to grow this, then like, what were the, what were those first like baby steps for you going from artist to, to business person? Um, well for me, I've always been in a survival mode ever since I was a kid. So I've always had to be in a more survival mindset, which is a little bit more, it's a little bit different than a business mindset, but similar, close close enough, but similar, you know? And so it was, uh, for me, it's, it's just been figuring out how I grew my business and how I've grown my business is the most snail's pace business growth that probably anybody has ever done where it's, you know, I buy things that I need one at a time. I set very small micro goals of equipment that I need to buy that is going to, uh, you know, get a new idea. You know, I'll I'll have a new idea of, okay, well, I want to do this with another dish. I want to do this with an installation or whatever that is. And so I buy these pieces as I need them one by one because I don't want to over leverage, you know, everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to play catch up. So I'm always trying to figure out what my threshold is uh, constantly um, as as far as taking on new debt. Right. Um, And what will that honestly do for everything that I plan on doing with it? You know, and so... So you're kind of road mapping each decision. It's like... Yeah, I mean, I I try to think years out. So, I mean, I'm already thinking about things, you know, that I want to do five years from now. And then everything that I'm doing now, I'm doing little tiny just inflections of things that by the time that I get to that point, it will make total sense to my audience. Because at the same time, I'm also talking to my audience during this. Right. Usually through an email list. So, you know, how do, how do you get your audience? How come I don't get your emails? Huh? How come I don't get your emails? Probably because you're not signed I, up. I feel, I feel left out now. <laughs> um, so well, you know, and so so it's, you know, we've, we have a, a nice, healthy, real email list. It's not an email list. It's people chose to sign up. Sure. You know, it's not something where, how, how did I get on this site? You know, how, how did I unsubscribe? <laughs> you know, where it's a bunch of marketers ever, yeah. that have been pushing stuff. You know, and so our, so when we put out something... We don't put out anything ever talking to anybody that is uh, just inefficient, useless information. I'm not interested in inefficiency whatsoever. And so when we talk to our email list and the people that are on it, we get to the point, this is what we're doing, one, two, three, done. And when you do that, people tend to open up the email list more and more and more because they realize, okay, I know because over the last, you know, seven, eight years, I've never got some sort of spam email from you ever. I know that you have something important to say. Right. What is that thing? So when we do something like an installation where, you know, we we need to sell out four and a half months of uh, tickets to be able to even pull off doing this thing, um, 
you know. And by the way, I, I want the audience to know that, that like this particular installation is at LACMA, right? It's no, uh, no, uh, Mocha, uh, Mocha. Sorry, um, which is pretty. I mean, pretty awesome in terms. And we'll, I wanted to get into the artistry of it too, but just to kind of put that into. into yeah, that. yeah. So, so right now we're at Mocha. We have a four and a half month long show, and luckily, you know, we we sold out. But I mean, you know, six years ago, even five years ago. If you told somebody you were going to be doing an art installation that was going to have a food component to it, and you know you're going to have you know these auditory elements, and you're going to have all this other stuff going on, that would never be in an international museum. It's not something that you know. I mean, even in a gallery, pretty much. You know, yeah. it's just, and so we've had to go through and get my audience to even understand what we're doing. And now that they know, you know, we've we've been able to go through and build larger and larger uh, installations for longer periods of time. Well, I think I think you've got a you've got a tough job, right? Like because for the person who hasn't encountered a wolf's mouth experience, it's like what? Like, it's you know, it's very then, hard to describe in an you know, elevator. And like pitch. you mentioned, you work with brands, you like work with hotel chains, and like I work with a lot of Fortune fifty companies and come up with like wildly creative ideas. And there's always like multiple layers of explanation and example, and and we're dealing with stuff that's a little bit more straightforward than what you than what you're doing. Um, you know, and I think. A, that job as a translator, and then also like parallel pathing toward a future, you know, whether it's you want an investor support or not, or like continue to do that. Um, there's a lot of pieces that, that go into that. Um, yeah. How do you stay organized, <laughs> right? You're looking at a lot of different things. Um, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different elements. I mean, I have things, you know, that, that I've been developing, uh, you know, that are more like food tech stuff too. You know, it's like, I've, I have all these things that I just, I'll just go through and I just check them off my list, but I'm very, I, I get hyper-focused on whatever I'm in the moment of. That's I'm, I'm hyper-focused on that. And then I give 110% to that. Then I move on to the next thing, 110% to that onto the next thing. And I just have a constant checklist all the time of everything that I'm working on. And I just keep a little chart you know, and I have all the ways, you know, I've, I just have my, my little web that starts out with the wall's mouth and then it branches off into all these other things that I'm working on. And as I look at these, I'm always trying to figure out how to make them all come together to be one cohesive thought, right. which is the same thing that I do with my installations, which is the same thing that I do with dishes. I'm just expanding it out to bigger and bigger ideas. And yep. so I'm figuring out, you know, in real time, how to, what, what, little landmine can I lay in this idea that is then going to then collaborate with another idea that I did to another idea to another idea. And so you just set off this chain of dominoes. So I'm always just stacking dominoes all the time, just setting them up. And I do it, I mean, very methodically because I, I can tell <laughs> I mean, you have to, um, I'm just, I'm, this is great. I'm just curious, Greg, what, like, what is it that drives you? Like what, you know what? Obviously, we've talked about how cerebral your work is, how temporal it is. What um, what kind of impact do you want to make? What kind of reactions do you want to have? I mean, uh, well, I mean, you know, I I think first and foremost, I just like working. I just I enjoy creating 
And that is the number one driver. Um, obviously, there's there, there's a, there's a business component to it. And now I'm getting to a point where it's how can I use my creativity to change certain conversations? Like, for instance, changing the conversation as to what is acceptable in art. And that is what I'm I've been challenging for the last few years. And uh, do, you, do you run into people like, you know, a month later, or a year later? And and what, what kind of um, what are they left with after having experienced one of these experience dining experiences? What kind of impressions are they left with like six months or 12 months after? Well, I mean, we we get a lot of people who, you know, they they came to an installation four years ago and are still talking about it. Um, and so, I mean, but, but it's because there, there's a more intimate exchange than just the meal. It's, we're having a conversations, you know, we're, we're doing these other things. And, uh, when you treat people like people, you, you, I don't think people understand how far it goes and it's not just your employees. It's just in general, you know, and it's, it's such a basic, basic thing. But I think that our culture is, uh, is moving away from the idea of senses. Um, and I mean that in, in a way of most everything that seems to be uh, being designed right now is sight. Most everything is sight and sound. Right. Um, and touch I wouldn't even say it's fully touch. I would say it is uh, it's functional have, touch. It's half of tactile, yeah, yeah. Right? It's no, you can't it's just you know like you're you're touching a screen or you're, you're touching, you know, like a, a singular object. And so I think that um, that we're 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 losing these other senses that are, I think, extremely important to the human experience. And so when there's only so much you can get from a screen only and from uh, solving problems that are not actually problems, you know? And so for me, it's, you know, I would love to be able to go through and figure out, uh, you know, how do you make products for the exponentially growing population that we're having right now? And that's going to continue. How do you think about water in a different way? Uh, how do you think, you know, I mean, even down to my kitchen, I focus on showing everybody different ways of this is how you wash things. We're going to compost everything. We wash things differently than most kitchens, you know, and it's thing and it, because all of this, obviously, you know, it's the environment is the number one, uh, idea of why you're doing these things, why you change the steps as to what you're doing. But it's also even from a very basic business point. At some point, water is going to be extremely expensive. At some point, our food is going to be even more expensive than it already is right now. People don't ever follow this stuff. I have to see this stuff every day. Right. And it's very primal, basic needs. Food, water. You see the inflation that happens in those. You start to realize, okay, well, if people cannot afford these things, how are they ever going to afford you know, the these extra luxury items? You know, and so I'm I'm trying to look so far down the roads, like somehow, uh, I, I, th- this is just stuff that I think about, you know, it's, I mean, and then, you know, we have the whole, 
Brexit stuff that's going on. And so I'm already in this whole other mindset of thinking about, okay, well, what's the currency going to be doing? Okay, well, then what's, what is the, uh, the, the aftershock of this? Because we had, we had to get Brexit in, didn't we? <laughs> well, 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 you know, but, you know, and, and so it's figuring out, I'm trying to think about what are all the aftershocks and what are all the other elements that will affect what it is that I'm trying to do and how I can potentially contribute well, to solving these ideas. Cause I like creative problem solving more than I like anything more than I like cooking, like everything. I like creative problem solving and that's more of what cooking is every single day. Yeah. I, I, I love the communal aspect as well. And sort of, you know, you guys were sort of touching on it earlier with, and our, our so our so-called connected society, we actually are becoming more and more, you know, disconnected in many ways. And that, and, and, that the tribal, that sort of what what you're doing, Craig, is it's very tribal, and there's a ritual about it, and it's communal, and also given the fact that you're creating beautiful works of art that that are to be eaten, you're you're slowing it down, you're slowing the conversation down, aren't you? Because people don't just come in and wolf it down and leave. Yeah, you're creating exactly. A, you're creating a moment, you're creating an event. You have and three also, hours, and also it's a community. It's a, you're creating a communal experience, and I think that's really, you know, I think that's something that's lacking and that people are seeking well, out. Well, it is. You know, I had a conversation with a guy recently and we were talking about how, you know, technology moves exponentially faster than like human emotion, <laughs> right? So we are able to create and experience more, but we also can't like process it. And even like in the idea of social media and, and this guy went back to the anthropology of humanity and was talking about like a tribe, if you, if you will, was, you know, sort of like you couldn't handle more than 150, like kind of your inner circle and maybe to the outer two or three circles, like your tribe of individuals. And like, even in social media is like the, the people you interact with most, the average number is around 150. And it's just like, so you go back to the dawn of, you know, humanity to now, we still only have this capacity to, you know, to, to, uh, to accept experiences, right? Like, it, so it's, pr it's pretty interesting. Like it is like, Hey, stop, sit down, explore your, yeah. your senses for us. Well, and you know, I've, I think one of the one of the biggest things is because technology is growing exponentially for some reason most of these companies think that uh that human interaction needs to grow exponentially with that you know so it's I mean you know they're they're all about the you know their their ROI on Instagram you know how how many people did whatever blah 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 right. you know but in reality if they just would stop, shut up for four seconds and not think about how many people that they're talking to and think about how many people they're talking with, right? it would be an entirely different conversation. Vanilla, I said it best. Stop, collaborate, and listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, 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 you know, and well, you know, because I think with a lot of that stuff, it, we, we're turning into a, a, a numbers game. And, you know, it's throw, you know, cast your wide net in a potentially empty pond and, you know, maybe get half a percentage of what you want to do out there or do the research and go find out where all of the fish went and what and what kind of fish you want and go there and cast your small net in there. Well, it sounds like also you, you like... 
your idea of success doesn't necessarily align <laughs> with, you know, what today's, I'll call it the entrepreneurial generation. Like I want tens of, of billions of dollars and I want an exit strategy. Like what is, what is the, the Craig Thornton definition of success? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty uninteresting uh, idea of success to me because I think that there's only so much that you can do as a singular human. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, I mean, how big of a house do you need? You know, how, how many rooms can you live in one at a time? You know, I mean, you don't need wings to your house. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's inefficient. It, it, it's always going to come down to inefficiency. I think that it's a waste. Then, then I think about property taxes on, on, you know, these huge places. All of a sudden you have these people with all this money buying all this stuff. And you're like, dude, you know, you're paying, you know, I mean, potentially a hundred thousand, hundreds of thousands of dollars on property taxes and, you know, whatever else all for what, yeah. but, you know, you, you can only be in one place at one time. You know, and so then, then in that instance, then what is abundance? Right. Because I think sometimes abundance, like the ability <laughs> to have a well, wing, multiple wings means that I can also help and contribute in a ton of other areas if I so choose. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there. I, I think that what ends up happening is for a lot of it, it it almost disconnects. I mean, not everybody, but I think that. When you are in that mentality, I think that you psychologically become totally disconnected from the actuality of what the world is because you are able to filter out everything because you have a bunch of yes people around you. And right. it's why a lot of these, you know, I, most of these companies hire people that are just trying to keep their jobs. They don't care about anything but trying to make sure that they can keep their job. And you're, you're around, you're, you're surrounded by a bunch of yes people and, you know, yeah, I mean, you have you have a bunch of money, but what, I mean, money is not everything. I mean, I I think that it's it's great to to have a healthy, viable business, but it's also great to figure out a way to accomplish an idea that is bigger than money, and I think that right now, and and fame, you know, I to me, I think it's. Uh, maybe a very old approach. I I don't know. You know, success to me. Obviously, I want to have a healthy business. I want to be able to do these ideas that I have. Right. Um. I mean, I'm not interested in. You know, how do I be a multimillionaire and and sell off everything that I've created? I mean, I've been approached to do things where I, where I could have, if I really wanted to, I could have retired if I just signed on the dotted line, but it's not interesting to me because the whole idea would have destroyed what Wolf's mouth was at its core. And so again, it just comes back to maintaining a vision more than what is my exit strategy? Remind me not to smoke weed or, or drink with you. <laughs> uh, we'll be all over the place. <laughs> um, uh, you, you touched on this a couple times, you know, mentioning like the idea of, you know, the, the duality of your work in terms of beauty and grotesque, uh, uh, stemming from your childhood and this idea of survival. Like what was it in your childhood that kind of instilled these, like what was the experience like that kind of instilled the, that, points those points of view in you um i mean you know growing up you know i was you know I, was, I mean basically to simplify it you know i was living in uh 
an abusive welfare drug house. You know, you know, it's like living off of government food. So I understand what it's like at the very, very lowest tier of life. Right. And so coming from that, you know, it's um, I don't really see any difference between uh, the some people that I've met in the highest tier of life and where I was in the lowest tier of life. You know, the only difference was money, but the dissatisfaction with existence was the very same. And so a lot of my thought process has been built upon going from the very bottom and being exposed to, you know, through the things that I've been able to do, expose what it is like on this super high level that people, you know, really want to, uh, I don't know, seek after. Right. For me, I was lucky at an earlier age, I understood that creating is what drives me more than anything. If, if I wasn't able to create, then I, I, I'd be lost. I mean, I, you know, it's, I don't understand a point of purely existing so I can uh, go clock punch. I'm not a clock puncher. No, it's, it's interesting. I, I have this theory. It's not a theory. It's not <laughs> grounded in any statistics or anything, but I feel like people turn out either exactly like their parents or like the exact opposite, you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. to, to see, you know, it, and it's just like from my own human yeah, observation. I, I like that theory, you know, and it's, it sounds like you took that and like went in the complete opposite direction. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was, it was Craig, definitely pushing against it. Right. Craig, what kind of surprises have you had along the way? Um, do you mean, uh, as far as, like building a business wise or no, in terms of with this, with Wolf's mouth and what you've created and the reactions you've gotten, what kind of surprises? what have you had any surprises? Um, well, I mean, every time we do something, it's always a surprise because it's, it's, I try to challenge myself to do things that we haven't done before. So like, for instance, with Mocha, you know, I went through and, I built all new art pieces that were mediums that I hadn't really worked in before. You know, when in reality I could have just taken stuff I already had and, you know, where it's already, you know, I've I've already honed it down. Shark's teeth too. (laughs) Well, you know, well it's, (laughs) it's just going through and, and so, you know, it, it's just kind of putting myself uh, in the mode of, potential failure and you know i mean you have there are obviously failures that you go through but you look at them as you know just constant little building blocks um i mean surprise wise uh you know i'm 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 surprised that we've been able to keep pushing the way that we have more than anything. I mean, that's probably the biggest surprise to me because, you know, being able to have a team that believes in what we're doing so much is something that talking to so many different business owners, restaurant owner, whatever it is, there's always uh, this level of dissatisfaction. It seems like that they're always going through with, employees 
And we just keep pushing, 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 pushing. We've done it for so long. And my goal is to keep pushing because that is just what I'm, that's just what I'm interested in. Man, you, you're, you're one of those guys like every response generates like another 10 questions. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, so, but for the sake of time, like I, I, like I want um, to, there's a couple things I want to ask you. Uh, first, yeah, I mean, you're obviously, obviously very observant, um, thoughtful, um, I'll, I'll, meticulous, I'll say. Uh, but you have a very sort of wide-eyed 30,000-foot view of the world, at least the way you see it. Um, and with that, the show is called Innovation Crush. I'm curious as to what you've seen, you know, that's out there. It could be in your craft. It can be in technology. It might be philanthropy, art. I don't know um, that you personally have an innovation crush on. Like what's something you see? You're like, oh, my gosh, that is amazing. Um, I mean, well, for, for me, you know, I've, I'm usually I've, I become very interested in uh, just anything that usually well. There's so many things because I'm exposed to so many I see, worlds. I know. That's what... <laughs> you know, it's like I'm I'm not just in the food space, you know. But, but I know. There, what, like there, I want outside the food. Like, there are you know. things in the food space, you know, that that I get interested in. But there are things in the art space. There are things, even in you know, like to like Ethereum and and Bitcoin, I find very interesting. You know, because I I just I I like the idea of what they could represent and what they could be, but it's. Oh, there! I've. I'm kind of all over the place <laughs> new, with I with just, things. I just got an idea for you, an exhibit. <laughs> you'll you'll owe me ten percent. Bitcoin. <laughs> Drops the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, last but not least, complete this phrase for me. Innovation to me is. Oh, oh man. Innovation Don't say to me just, is. <laughs> innovation to me is the consistent ability to evolve and maintain visions i mean it you know just and with with the constant execution you know i'm i think that you can have the whole one big idea thing but for me personally i like the idea of a constant evolution, not just, you know, changing everything for sure. the sake of changing it, but um, just mainly because I just think it, it's uh, it's a healthier way to innovate, you know, when, when you do it in these these increments and then you can learn more about it. Like, yeah. like for instance, when when I started this this last installation, you know, I, I went through and uh, it started out one way and then I started changing it because I started seeing the way that people were reacting with it. And then I just started adjusting visuals and sounds and dishes and everything else. And I just started slowly tightening it more and more and more. And I think that if I had just done this big thing and I blew it out and I just said, this is all it's going to be, then I would have never just kept adjusting it and honing it down and honing it yeah. down to where now it it is what it was supposed to be. I had a broad idea of what it was supposed to be day one. I mean, and and it was honed down over, you know, just over the course of it. And so I believe a constant, consistent evolution. Yeah, no, this is great. And I, like when I compare that to sort of the business world, right? Like 
you you somewhat I, I'll, I'll say this loosely, but you somewhat have the luxury of the creativity, right? Like I, I think a mocha trusts you, and yeah, you know, I'm sure they have some expectation, but then you go like, okay, you know, and for me or like other people who work for businesses, and they're even in a creative capacity, like you've got deadlines and expectations and ROIs, like all those other things that you're up against, and you're still trying to innovate in that, yeah, in this well world of constraint, and I think that the biggest failure of most businesses that hire people like you is is hiring me <laughs> no well, is <laughs> is going through and it's a lot of them it's like they go to you know they they hire me to cook them a meal and then they try to explain to me how to cook the meal when that's what I do for a living and so they put everything around how many how many how many not how good, how great of a response, right. and how tight was our message. It's how do we go through and basically put people under their thumb to try to get some idea out of them, but then the idea becomes a fragment of what the idea started out to be because you have so many middlemen just trying to keep their jobs, and that's all they're trying to do. They're not trying to do anything else. They don't fucking care. Yep. And it's just the reality because I've dealt with all of them. I've dealt and I deal with them all the time. And that's why I don't really work with a lot of these companies is because they don't really care. They just don't. It's just the reality. And so it's just clock punching. And so as soon as I meet with a, a clock puncher, I know it right away. And I say, you know what? Not worth my time. This is inefficient to my business. Five minute meetings. You're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> um, to explain the hat. Because um, I have long hair, so. Okay, cool. Uh, well, thank you for stopping by. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, Clark, any last minute? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm hungry. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, well, everyone, but where can people find more Wolves Mouth, more Craig Thornton? Um, I uh, mean, you can just Google WolvesMouth.com or go to WolvesMouth.com. I mean, it's it's a pretty uh, basic website. It has like very little on it for very specific reason of like I kind of want people to have to go down the rabbit hole. There's a there's Google a domino. There's out. a cause and effect. I was I've been writing down like potential show titles this whole time that we're talking because I'm like there's so many like themes to you, um, but they're all kind of like this like uh, let me give you a little bit. But there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on behind like uh, everything has a purpose and a, and a mechanic to it. But thank you for joining yep. us, uh, everyone. This has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.